Boy, what a big series is going on tonight at Fenway Park in Boston. Even though both teams have gotten their divisions pretty much wrapped up, the Cleveland Indians' biggest lead of any divisional leader in Major League Baseball right now against the Boston Red Sox, who are running away with the best record in the American League, and that is going on right now in Fenway Park. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we talk to you about the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Mark Donahue and I getting together to talk to you about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds as we do each and every Monday night. And in order to do that, let's go down south and talk to our resident Cincinnati Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you tonight? I'm well, David, and uh, it, it is going to be an interesting series this weekend with Boston and Cleveland, and uh, I think it's going to go a long way in defining does either one of those teams have to add anything to their roster between now and the playoffs, and I, I think these two teams playing each other may, uh, it, it's a good indicator of where those teams are in teams of in terms of playoff capabilities and, and, and their roster. That's that's what I wanted to lead off starting off uh, tonight's show to, to discuss with you. This is the first time that these two ball clubs are going to meet this year, which is an anomaly, but it's the way that the Major League Baseball has got the schedules worked out. But these two ball clubs are at the top of their divisions. Uh, chances are, and it's a very good chance, that they would meet in October uh, in the playoffs. So, when you look at this matchup, Mark, first a four-game set in, in Boston and then a three-game set coming up in a couple of weeks in Cleveland, as both teams are looking at it, can you take that much away from this type of a series right now? Yeah, I think you can. Uh, if uh, if your roster, say, is, is heavily right-handed uh, offensively and you're facing a guy like Priscillo, uh who's tough on right-handers, uh, that might give you an indication you have to go out and get a couple left-handed bats to offset that kind of quality. Because in the playoffs, you're going to run across the Purcellos of the world uh, in every game. You're going to have top pitchers in Major League Baseball facing your offense. And that's where you start making little adjustments. And uh, you have to make those decisions at the last minute. I mean, look what the Astros did last year. You know, uh, going out and getting Verlander. Um, what was he, 8-0? and with, with with them going into the like the last two months of the season. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things that playing a team like Boston playing Cleveland and vice versa, they're going to get a good read on where they are. It, for instance, if one of those teams were to sweep the other, that would be a big indication that something's wrong with your roster. At least you're starting eight. Because if you're if you're starting nine of the American League, if you're if you're getting beat up by a team of that quality, you've got some problems. You got some times to make time to make adjustments, but you're going to have to take some aggressive steps if a series like this indicates that you've got a weakness somewhere on your 25 man roster. You know this Boston team, and you and I have discussed this before in the past couple of weeks. I, I know that they're playing some great baseball right now. They they remind me of a couple of teams like the 95 Cleveland Indians and the Seattle Mariners who ended up winning 
116 games in the regular season. Neither one of those teams, Mark, won the World Series. So I know you're you're a fan of this team. What makes you such a fan of this Red Sox team? I, I don't see that they have a weakness. They have players that none of us know that well. But if you look at, at their statistics, now I know Porcello has an ERA uh, in the fours, but he, he his, his secondary statistics are really, really strong. And he, he's a tough guy to deal with. And offensively, I think the Red Sox lead the American League in hitting. Uh, they have speed. They have excellent defense. And they've now got some young players that are no longer young. They're, they're, they're ripening into guys you can depend on. And there's not an easy out in that lineup. And their bullpen is strong. Uh, you know, they, they just lost Chris Sale. And that's going to hurt them uh, between now and the playoffs. And uh, hopefully he can come back to the playoffs. Uh, but if he can't, that is something that, as you just mentioned, uh, you know, what can a team learn? Well, if they they get lit up by that fifth spot in the rotation who's replacing Sale, they got a problem. And what? so that then look at Cleveland. You know, are they going to have to go out now and get a, a pitcher to replace uh, what's his name? Um, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, who, who's on the DL now. So these will be very important games because I don't know where your rotation is, but whoever the fifth starters are on those respective locations or, or those staffs, that's going to be very indicative of does either one or maybe both teams need to go out and get another starter. Yeah, but in all actuality, you're not going to get down to your fifth starter in a playoff series. No, you're not, but but you could, David, in terms of the, the bullpen. And if whoever you put in there is – how do you replace a Chris Sale? I, I don't know how you replace them other than with a starter. You, you've got to have a guy who can shut down the other team. So if you if you don't go out and get a starter who can replace Sale, then your team is really relying on that fifth starter because he may get some action. And if you if Trevor Bauer can't come back, I think Trevor Trevor Bauer has been better than Chris Sale, even though the, the numbers I think indicate Sale maybe uh, have have more wins. But uh, that that's the kind of thing this will tell you about those respective teams. And you know Matt Harvey, the way he pitched the other day, man, I can see both of those American League teams saying, "Hey, uh, let's talk." You know, th- this is not unusual, and I, you and I have two totally different opinions of Chris Sale. Um, and, and I know a lot of people believe that Chris Sale is the end-all to be-all as far as left-handed pitchers are concerned in Major League Baseball. ESPN is probably his biggest proponent in the media. But to be honest with you, Mark, I have never seen anything out of Chris Sale that makes me believe he can win games in October. I know we have this problem with uh, Dave, the, the, the David, wait a minute. When has he won a game in October, Mark? You tell me one important game he's ever won in the month of October. One. He played for a crappy team. They made the. We they won the World Series, Mark. How that many, team when he was on it won the World in? Series. How many? How many playoffs has he been in? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, I think Chris Bale has indicated he's one of the top five pitchers in baseball, and I don't know how you can say he's not. Very easily, because he never pitches in the month of September and October. 
That's he, because he's injured. It doesn't mean he couldn't be effective if he wasn't injured. Well, that's the point, Mark. What what good is it to a, to a team if you're giving this guy, he's your number one ace, and he can never pitch in the months when it's death, when when you need him to pitch? He's been that way with Chicago. He's been that way with Boston. Are you saying he's no good or he's injury prone? No, I'm saying he does not come up big in big games. He does not pitch in big games because there's always something wrong with him. Well, <laughs> you can I don't say know how many playoffs he could have been involved in, but uh, you know he's what twelve and twelve and three or twelve and four with an ERA under two. I think uh, he's pitched pretty good this year. And, you know, Who wouldn't pitch good with that team? I mean, you got yeah, Porcello, who's got a 15 and six record right now, but an over four ERA. Chris Sale has a 197 ERA. Are you kidding me? What, what do you expect from the guy? I okay. Here's his playoff record. Uh, I'm I'm looking it up right now. Um, all right, it takes a little while for this this to to uh, come up as far as his. His uh, playoff record is concerned. You've got to go all the way down to the bottom. Uh, postseason pitching. All right. Uh, he basically has been in one postseason. Okay. All right. Um, and that's with Boston. Uh, he pitched last year against Houston. He was 0-2 okay. with an okay. 8.38 ERA. Now what all I'd right. like to find is Chris Sale's September record. That's yeah, what I'd it, like to look up. So you're looking at one situation, one playoff. What if he was two and zero and had a four ERA or a three ERA? You think he's he's a great playoff pitcher then? No. Okay, Mark. Well, I've, I've watched enough one. of this guy to see that he does not pitch well when you need him to pitch well. He's a guy well, that I am not scared of. Being a Cleveland Indian fan. I've never been scared of him and Justin Verlander. You think I'm nuts, but I'll tell you one thing. The Indians have always hit Justin Verlander. They've always hit Chris Sale. So that must mean those guys are no good and you wouldn't want them on your pitching staff. No, I'm so, not, to be honest with you, who's, who's Chris Sale going to replace on my pitching staff with the Cleveland Indians other than maybe the fourth or fifth starter? And even Shane Bieber is right up there right now. As You've a fourth term. No, I'm not. I would not take Chris Sale over Carrasco, Bauer, or Kluber. Period. Oh, who's your fourth starter? Shane Bieber. Okay. I saw him pitch the other day. You've got to be out of your mind. What? Shane Bieber right now has got an 8-2 and two record with an ERA that's right there with Chris Sales as our number four starter. Hey, look, you're, you're going to lose credibility with our millions of listeners if you're going to be saying you don't want Chris Sale on your pitching staff. I don't want Chris Sale. I'm saying, I'm telling oh, you right geez. now, I don't want Chris with, Sale with, on my pitching staff. Off. I think he's gutless. Get off the, oh Jesus, get off the medication or get on some medication. I, he, uh, because anybody who doesn't want Chris Sale needs one of the other. He he is gutless, Mark. He is definitely gutless. Oh my God. Here here's his okay. Here's his uh September September results. Gutless. <laughs> yeah. This was this was last year, Mark. Okay? He went three and two in September. Oh my god, trading. Okay? With where's where's his ERA here? 
boy, this is this is scattered all over the place. Um, he he, Mark in September last year, he didn't go past six innings except for one start, and that was against Baltimore where he went eight innings. That was think, in September. You think they he, may have been holding him back for the playoffs, Dave? Think it might be a strategy. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't yeah. know why because yeah. they were in a pennant race trying to get into the playoffs. Well, depending on the game situation, I would have taken him out too because I want him fresh for the playoffs. You know, I you you can look, Dave. You can see your accusation of him being gutless. There, there's no basis of that. Yes, there is. He doesn't pitch well in September. He never has. He was three and two. It's not like he got lit up. I'm Come looking on. here. Uh, no, I'm wrong. He was two and two. He okay, was two, two and two in September with. He was zero and three or zero and four. It wouldn't matter. There, there are situations you're, you're, you're in August. Guy. All right, I'm let me go back. Let me go back to August. He made in August. He made six starts. He was two and two there also. Okay, uh, Dave. In July, you talk all you want. You're not going to convince me that Chris Sale is not a valuable. <laughs> One of the top five pitchers in baseball. Oh no, he's not one of the top five. Okay. No, no, not well, you know. And, and Mark, I've watched this guy pitch. If he gets in trouble, he can't get out of it. I, you know, I know people think I'm nuts, but I've watched this guy pitch over the last six or seven years, along with Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander has more guts in his little pinky. He will fight you tooth and nail. For every pitch, every strike, every out. Chris Sale is not built that way. You're trying to impute a, a non-physical skill with something called guts, and you can't. You're, you are incapable, as am I, of ascertaining how gutless or not somebody is. You can look at the numbers. They're objective. That's, that's fair. But these numbers aren't that bad. Would you and compare he, Chris Sale with Jack Morris? No, I wouldn't. They're different pitchers from different eras, thirty years apart. I, I, I don't. You know, I, I'm looking. I'm looking at Jack Morris, and you and I discussed this a, a week or so, or maybe two weeks ago on the program when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. There is not a manager in baseball history that would have been able to pull him out of that game seven back in '91. And I don't believe Chris Sale would ever do something like that. And, and baseball is so different now. Because you have bullpens that are completely different. Pitching staffs are aligned differently. They're, they're, they're set up for starting pitchers to go out there and throw five, six, seven innings at the most today. How many pitchers on any team go beyond seven innings? Uh, I can, you're, 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 you're trying to pawn Matt Harvey off onto the Indians and he's the last one that did it. So what? what? What's that? You're, you're using one instance. No, I'm, I'm saying I'm using Matt Harvey as an example of what I mean. Matt Harvey would not come out of the World Series game, what was it, three years ago? Beat. And he got beat. He got beat. But he would not come out. Okay? Well, that means Chris Sale will come out of the ball game. Maybe Chris Sale knew he was losing something and, and didn't have a big ego like uh, Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey d demanded he go back out there, and he got lit up and then lost the World Series. What What have you seen that makes you believe that Chris Sale is such an outstanding pitcher? I look at his record, number one. He's 
one of the best pitchers in baseball of the last five or six years. He's probably one of the toughest guys to hit. Certainly, I, I can't think of a left-hand hitter that would want to go face that guy. He's, he's, he's pitched on bad teams except for Boston the last two years, and he hasn't pitched poorly. He's having a great year this year. Uh, my gosh, I, I don't know what he has to do to impress you, but Chris Sale, by everybody else. Win a big game. What? That's what he's got to do. He's got to win a big game. Okay. Yeah. How many pitchers have not won the big game and are still in the Hall of Fame? A lot. Name one. Oh, geez. You mean every time a pitcher goes out there, he has to win a big game to go in the Hall of Fame? Uh-huh. How about Robin Roberts? Never won a big game. He's in the Hall of Fame. Robin Roberts pitched how many no-hitters? One, two? It doesn't matter. He didn't win a big game. He never got into the playoffs. But I'm saying he, he pitched a no-hitter. What about Steve Carlton? <laughs> Steve, Carl- Steve Carlton pitched in a World Series. Yeah, what's that got to do with it? One, one big games. Dave, a, a, a no-hitter in the middle of June against a non-competitive team is not winning a big game. No, but you've got to it's deal with, you've got to deal with the pressure of finishing out that no-hitter. Well, I think we beat this to death, and you're not going <laughs> to convince me that Chris Sale isn't a great pitcher, and I'd sure say, I can't, I can't think of one team except the one that the general manager, Dave Mitchell, operates that would not want Chris Sale in their rotation. End of story. I could, I could think of a couple of them right now. No, you can't. You can't. You can't <laughs> think of one. Oh, but nonetheless, you know, uh, to be transparent with everybody, we're recording this in the afternoon so that both Mark and I can enjoy the Boston Indians, uh, game tonight, uh, between Kluber and Rick Porcello. I mean, two weeks ago, you were singing the praises of Rick Porcello, Mark. Rick Purcell is a good pitcher. He, he may not be a great pitcher, but he's a, he, he, that's why I like Boston. Because they have, to me, they have a lot of street fighters on that team. And they, they just have the kind of, it looks like they, they're tough and they do win big games and they're on a pace. They could win 112 games this year. That doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs, as you, as you point out, that, that does not always indicate you know, that you're going to make it or even go deep in the playoffs. But right now, that team is, is playing as good as any team in baseball, and this will be a good test for them and a good test for the Indians. Chris Sale said today on Twitter that this Boston Red Sox team is the greatest team ever in the history of baseball. Well, I wouldn't go that far either. Yeah, I, <laughs> I yeah, I, that that's another reason. You know, I think he needs to just concentrate on getting his inflamed shoulder uh, back into shape and well, start pitching some baseball games. The article I read games. about that was it's, it's a minor inflammation, and he should be back in 10 days. He's going to miss, what, one or two starts. Yeah. So that that's not going to be a big deal for, for them. And I think it's smart. Rest him now and, and make sure you are strong for the playoffs. Uh, but Boston, I mean, they are, they are just dominating. Uh, every team in baseball, I think when they, when they beat the Yankees four straight a couple weeks ago, that got my attention because they came in and just beat the hell out of them. And it, it didn't even look like the games were that tough for them. And, you know, JD Martinez is just smacking the ball and they've got speed. They got, they, right now they're the best team in baseball, in my opinion. All right. 
you know, I've got no problem saying that right now they're playing the best baseball of anybody in the major leagues, but they remind me, like I said, of teams that have done this in the past. I, I think they're a regular season team. They don't have, they're not built for the postseason. If you shut down their offense like you, like if you could, the 95 Indians and, uh, what was it, the 2003 Seattle Mariners, uh, if you shut down that offense, there is no way they can win. They bludgeon you to death. Say that against any team. Uh, I just think it's going to be a great. I'm looking forward to the playoffs this year because there's a lot of storylines that that are coming up. But I tell you, the team that that is surprising me more than any other team right now is Houston, in in a negative way. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what has happened to that team. Of course, well, I guess I do. They've got a lot of injuries right now, and that certainly cuts cuts deep in that team. But uh, you know, they they come. They, I think they came back and won yesterday, and they're they're back in first place. But uh, I mean, uh, Oakland was ten games out two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, and they they actually moved in the first place over the weekend. And then they lost a couple of games, and they're out of first place. But uh, I thought Houston was just going to run away and hide in that division, and they haven't done that. And you know, Oakland is a fun team to root for because they, they you know, who would have thought Oakland had a chance in that division against Houston? Yeah, Houston. I mean, Houston lost Altuve for a little while. Uh, they lost their shortstop for a little while. They lost Springer for a little while. You know, injuries matter when when a GM sits there and says at the beginning of the year, if we could stay healthy, that's what we need to do. Well, he's right, because you've got to stay healthy throughout this marathon 162-game schedule. Yeah, and especially when you have gutless players. I mean, that's what gets me when they're gutless. And, yeah. Um, you know, Houston's proven, Mark, that they can win big games. They've proven that they've got pitchers that can win win big games. When Boston proves that they can win a big game. Right now it's easy for them. Look at look at the lead that they've got. What how big is their lead right now? Look uh, at the, it's 12 or 13 games I think. Yeah, I mean it right now uh, as crazy as this sounds, it's easy for them to play. They've got everything wrapped up. They've got no pressure on them whatsoever. The the Yankees are not going to come back and win that division. And Boston right now can sail into the playoffs because they know they've got the home field advantage throughout the entire playoff series as long as they continue to win. So Can't what you say that you didn't say the same thing about the Indians because they've had a huge lead all year and they haven't played any big games yet. So you don't know what they're going to do either in the playoffs. Oh, yes, I do because I've got a track record. I've got a track record of the pitching staff and what they can do in the playoffs. History, I think, is a very, very bad indicator of what can happen to any team in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. It's all new, and these teams have different rosters. Everything is different. You're, you're playing different teams. And I, I don't see where what they did last year or the year before has any indication of what they're going to do. But the, I tell you, the team I would be worried about if I was Boston the Yankees are going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. The Yankees are, what, 30-some 30, 30 games over 500. Yeah, they're 78 and 46 right now. This is a great team. And and Boston is 50-some games over 50-51 games over 500. Yeah, they're 51 games up, 88 and 37. 
Well, you, you, if you're Boston, you know you're going to face the Yankees probably at some other time. Uh, if the Yankees you know, get into the playoffs, which they will, then you've got Cleveland. They're only 19 games over 500. Now, you compare that against the Yankees and the Red Sox. What, what, do, you, what do you draw from that conclusion? What do I draw? Yeah, I mean, they have the worst record for the, the pennant winning or the, the pennant leading teams. In fact, their record, we see 74. No, they don't, Mark. Uh, are you talking about American League or all of Major League Baseball? No, uh, just American League. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and I've said that. They've got the worst record of any divisional leader in the American League, yet they have the biggest lead of anybody. Yeah, I understand, but they, does that lead you to any conclusions? Because they're, they're basically, they have the same, uh, Oakland's record is better, uh, than them. Yeah. So you have, Seattle's almost as good. Uh, so aren't, aren't you concerned that whatever Cleveland has been doing so far this year is not putting them into the upper tier in the, in the American Mark, I've been talking about that all season long, that they don't have the it factor. I've, I've talked about that all year long. They just don't have the it factor. Okay, forget the, the, forget the term it and get more specific. Are, are they lacking offense? Are they lacking defense? Lacking no, they're not, when I say it, I mean it. They don't have the spark, the it that they had two years ago. So it's all intangible. Yeah, the the fact is is that they don't have the uh, I, you know the only way I can explain it is the it factor because and everybody that that watches sports understands what that term terminology means. Uh, it it but the Indians don't have that this year. They they have been coasting since April. They've been coasting, and they're 19 games up. I would like to see what they can do when they put the pedal to the metal like Boston is doing. Well, I, I look at it a little more not it-ish, uh, not intangible, but more tangible. I look at Boston. I look at New York. Uh, even look at Houston and Oakland. I mean, these teams are playing either better than in some cases, significantly better than Cleveland. And if I were a Cleveland fan, I would say, forget the it factor. What do I need statistically or with other personnel to make my team better? And they went out and did what they needed to do. They improved the bullpen. So is that the only thing you think they need? Yep. Okay, well then, if that's the case, you guys are going into the playoffs, and according to your evaluation, even with a negative it factor on the field with their 25-man roster, they can line up against anybody. Yeah, I believe so. And I and okay. the reason I believe that is because of the pitching staff. I think they've got the best pitching staff of any team in Major League Baseball. All right. Well, you know, you're going to have a chance to, to prove that theory. That's the great thing about baseball is this – you know, this year with the, with a, a lot of good, exciting teams out there, uh, you're going to have a chance to put what you just said to the to the test because of um, the, the way these teams are breaking out. You, you're going to play somebody good in the first round. You're going to play a team probably with a better record than you in the first round of the playoffs, even if it's a wild card team. Yeah. So that that that. 
I, I believe the, the team that we're probably going to play in the first round is going to be Houston if they win their division. It'll either be Houston or Oakland. That'll be who we play in the first round. Yeah, assuming they win the division. But even if you were to play uh, Oakland, I mean, that's going to be a tough No, I'm option. saying whoever wins the division over there is, yeah, who we'll, is who we will play, and it'll either be Houston or Oakland. And the and of the of the team of those two teams, Oakland scares me the most because we have not matched up well with Oakland all year long. I think we we won we won two of six games against Oakland. That's well, it's, it's going to be an interesting playoffs. Um, you know, Houston to me is is underperforming, but that that's a team to be feared. I Let mean, me ask you this, Mark. Let me ask you this question. The Indians and the, the Red Sox over the next two weeks play seven times. Four times in Boston, three in Cleveland. If the Indians win, and I'm just, I'm throwing out the, if the Indians win five of those games, of those seven, what does that do to Boston? What does that oh, do to the Red Sox? I think it's a wake up call. I said when we started this conversation, these four games to me, Give these teams an opportunity to make changes. But right now, you know, Boston's ERA is better than Cleveland's. Team ERA is 346 and Cleveland's is 374. Because of the bullpen. Yeah. Well, but yeah, let's go, let's, let's, let's deal directly with starting pitching and the innings pitched. Let, let's deal directly with that because if you want to compare apples to oranges, okay, Corey, Corey Kluber has got a better statistical record than anybody the Red Sox have to offer. So does I Trevor agree. Bauer. Okay, but you, you've got to play at least three games and maybe five. So if, if you, you you have to look at the overall team complement, both offensively and defensively. And you know Cleveland has an, I think, an outstanding pitching staff, but it's not even in the top five of, of pitching staffs in Major League Baseball because of the bullpen. But like I said, let's break it down. Let's okay, talk. Dave's, okay, I, I I I'll give you that. It's the bullpen. I know you've improved the bullpen, but right now, just statistically, as you look at these teams, there's five teams in baseball in the, in the American League that have a better ERA than than, um, than Cleveland. I'm not saying Cleveland doesn't have a great pitching staff. They do. But you, you have to look at what a team does over a long period of time. What can you expect? And Houston right now, over the last month, is playing crappy baseball. wish I could be a little more scientific. But they still have a 3.10 ERA. And that's, that's a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. I don't care what it is. The, the batting average against on, on Houston is 2, 216. At Cleveland, it's 241. Yeah, except for the fact, except for the fact, Mark, that, all right, let's talk about history. Historically, the Indians have beat up on Keichel and Verlander over the last five years. That's why Houston doesn't bother me. I'm not afraid to play Houston in the playoffs. Well, if you are looking, if you're looking backward at that, I think that's a dangerous thing. I don't care who in the hell you beat two, three, four years ago. If you want to face Verlander in the first round of the playoffs, you're on drugs. Do I want to face Verlander? Heck no. I don't want to face, but what I'm saying is Houston doesn't bother me as much as, none of the teams in the American League bother me more than Oakland. Well, I, I, don't, I don't see that. I, I think Houston, once they're healthy, that would be the team I'd want to play least because their pitching is so darn good. But their pitching and, is not – but, Mark, their pitching is not 
what has been their downfall over the last month. It's been the fact that their everyday players have been out of the lineup on a consistent yes. basis. That's why they, they would scare me. The pitching is still good. They've had uh, Correa's been out, uh, Altuve's been out, all these guys have been out. Uh, Springer, uh, that's true. And, and that's why when they're healthy, I still think Houston's the team to beat. Now, will they be healthy in the playoffs? I don't know. But then you get the Yankees. That's going to be a wild card team for somebody to have to contend with. And it's so your your assumption that Cleveland's pitching is overwhelming is true on the first two or three guys. That's all you need in the playoff series, Mark. Yes, but listen, if you're going to match up your top pitcher against Verlander, that's a wash. I don't care what you say. And then you if now I'm now. Now, I'm taking, I'm arguing this point, taking into consideration that Trevor Bauer is going to be back for the playoffs. That, that's where I'm going with this. Now, if he is not, that changes the complexion of everything because Bauer is going to be your number two starter and he would go up against a Keichel or a Porcello if Sale is going to be the number one starter for Boston. You know, the Yankees pitching staff, let, let's just call a spade a spade here. They're, it's horrid. Their, their starting rotation is horrid. It, they have, their starting rotation doesn't even match up with Oakland's. Dave, they got an ERA better than Cleveland's. By a, because by of a, the bullpen. Look at the bullpen, Mark. Okay. When you got, when you got Dylan Betances out, out in the bullpen and you, you just picked, picked up Zach Britton to be your, your sixth inning guy. You know, yeah, they, they've got a great bullpen, but their starting well, pitching is, is, is horse meat. Oh, jeez. It's not horse meat. It, it's pretty solid. It may not be as good as Cleveland's. It's not horse meat. They have a 231 average against Cleveland's 241. I mean, it, it's, they're, it's a very good staff. It's, uh, their ERA is lower than Cleveland's. And, I, and, and you, you always throw out the bullpen stuff. Well, it, it's, that's part of your ERA for a team. So I don't think that any of these teams, there's much separation between any of them. And if you're, you're looking at Kluber and Bauer as your number one and two guys, which I think, yeah, I think Bauer will be back for the playoffs. I think that's why they're taking their time with him. But that can be offset in the playoffs very quickly by a Verlander and Keichel. And all of a sudden now you're down two to nothing and you lose two games two to one. Uh, that can happen in the playoffs. So to, to say that you can't put the bullpen in there, you have to put the bullpen in there. Well, I agree right. with you, Mark, but they've restructured the bullpen to the point where they've got four guys now that they can go to in in, in stressful situations that know how to pitch. I, I agree, but Dave, every look at the Yankees. The Yankees' bullpen is maybe the best bullpen I've seen in 20 years. And if, if, you're, if you're trailing the Yankees after six innings, you're in trouble. Yeah, and that's so, the way the Indians were in 2016. Yeah, okay. Well, that, what are we arguing about here? You're, you're saying that your starting rotation is so much better than these other five teams. I'm saying it's not. It's it's good, but I can you know the, the, the starting pitching on the other teams may not be as good as Cleveland, but I could say you know it, with with Houston it's probably not as good. So it's it, you have but to name, look at the name United. Houston's number three starter. I can't. And I can't even name Cleveland's number three starter. 
but it, in the playoffs, it's usually the one and two guys that are going to win the, pay, the playoffs for you. Well, and, if that if that's the case, then I guess we're in the World Series. Well, we'll see. Because <laughs> our uh, number I three think, starter is Carlos Carrasco. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 Indians have their hands full against some of these American League teams, and the unlike the Reds in terms of of what they have to build, the Indians have the horses to win a World Series. And my the original point on this, you asked me what do what does a four game series like this between two really really good teams indicate here in August. Well, if one team sweeps another, I repeat, if one team sweeps another, the team that gets swept has to make some changes. I don't think either team's going to sweep the other. I, I, I yeah. don't anticipate that either. But in, in the likelihood that that happened, you would open up a, a gaping hole in the, the this Cleveland or Boston being the best team in the history of baseball—that's ridiculous. Uh, but it, it would certainly—if they lost four games to Cleveland, I'd go back to Boston and say, "Okay, maybe we're not quite as good as we thought we were. What do we have to do?" And if Cleveland lost four straight games, I'd ask the same question. See, I I, I I believe Mark that even if the Indians go two and two against Boston in these next three games or next four games, uh, and maybe even. Uh, go four and three against Boston in the next seven games. I, I think that hurts Boston. Just yeah, because I mean, of what Chris Sale said on Twitter today. This team is flying high. They think there's nobody that can beat them. And now suddenly a team that has come in, especially a team that used to be managed by Terry Francona. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's something that, and we're not even talking yet, Mark, about the advantages that Houston, Oakland, and Cleveland have over New York and Boston because those two have rookie managers that haven't been to the playoffs before. Uh, again, I don't think that is a major uh, deciding factor, in, in my opinion. And these guys have proven themselves over a long period of time. And, and frankly, managing a baseball team isn't that tough, especially clear at this level. But the, the, the exciting part of this, you have four, five, six teams in the American League that are really good. And that makes for a fun playoffs. And, and I, I, you can almost bet money on it. You could bet money on it. But somebody's going to get upset. Somebody is going to lose a first-round playoff game or, or series that everybody expected them to win. And it could be Houston, it could be Boston, it could be Cleveland. And again, I'm, I'm mark this down. Watch out for the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees have a, a lineup that is very young, very inexperienced, but if they're on, that team can score a lot of runs. <laughs> and that bullpen, best, I think it's the best in baseball, they can play a short game. They can get a lead, they can turn over that bullpen, and it's lights out. And in a playoff, you're going to see that happen. Mark, let, let's turn and talk a little bit about the Reds. Uh, boy, we've, we've gone a long way here just talking about the Indians in Boston tonight. But the Reds, what, you know, there's a lot of rumors going around Cincinnati right now as to the status of Jim Riggleman. 
Um, I, for one, think Riggleman deserves to come back next year, e- even if it's on a one-year deal. Although the way that he handles one-year deals, you know, he, he may not want to come back. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I, I think the Reds just thought it, you know, ante up and, and bring this guy back next year. Your thoughts? I, I agree with that. I, I think you, you would break up what they've got going. And, you know, the Reds are going through what I call a transition year this year which means they're very, very inconsistent. Uh, they lost, what, they were 3-18 uh, and 18 to start the season, uh, and I think since that time they're five games over 500. And it's interesting to note that I, I heard yesterday or the day before that the Reds have the best record in baseball. I think they're 39-1, and one, which I, I had to get a double take on that. 39-1 or 40-1 and one when – they score four runs or more. That is unbelievable. No, I'm sorry, when, the, when their pitching staff holds the other team to four runs or less. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Uh, which means this team is going to score a lot of runs, number one. But more importantly, when you look at their record, and when a team is going from that transition from not very good to good, uh, they have to start beating teams that are good. They have to... to surprise you sometimes with wins and look at the Reds this year against first place teams against the Braves as an example they're four and one against the twins who were in first place when they played them they were two and one against the Dodgers they swept the Dodgers four and oh the Cubs they swept four four to nothing uh, they beat Philly when they're in first place three games to one uh, the Diamondbacks two games to one and, and the Giants came in here this weekend, and the Reds swept them three games. So, unfortunately, what is likely to happen between now and the end of the year, the Reds will go on another five-game losing streak or six-game losing <laughs> streak, and, and they'll get their heads handed to them. But at certain times, they can play against anybody. And if you're a playoff team like Milwaukee tonight, the Reds play Milwaukee and Chicago the next seven games. These teams are, you know, they're, they're – shooting for the playoffs, you don't want to play the Reds because you don't know what you're going to get. And with Anthony B. Scafani pitching as well as he did against the Giants, he had Matt Harvey pitch an excellent game the other night on Saturday night. And yesterday, uh, what's his name? Castillo. He was, he looked like Mario Soto. I mean, his changeup was, was unhittable. He struck out 10, gave up only one run earned. And he just overpowered these guys, and he threw 78 pitches for strikes, 78% of his pitches for strikes. And that's what that kid needs to do. But uh, the Reds are going to get a lot of, of tests here in the next three weeks. Uh, they play Milwaukee, Chicago, Milwaukee again, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh all have, maybe not Pittsburgh, but all have playoff aspirations. And it'll be exciting to see how this team fares against those teams that are throwing their best. And the, the Reds, again, if they can go out, I wish they would sign Matt Harvey. Uh, I don't know why they don't. They can probably get a good deal for him right now if they would sign him. And they know his stuff better than anybody. And the other night, Saturday night, and I think in the sixth inning or seventh inning, he was throwing 97. Yeah. And he, and 95 consistently throughout the game, but he, he jacked it up once to 97 in the seventh inning. I'm thinking, geez, this guy has no longer a sore arm. <laughs> you know, he, he can throw. So 
So somebody's going to pick him up, and it wouldn't I tell you it wouldn't surprise me if, if they if, if the Indians have any question about Bauer, they might go after Matt Harvey. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me, but uh, only if they've got questions about Bauer. I, sure, you know yeah, I I, that that's that's the big story. Um, do they have questions about Bauer? And that's that that's a you know to, to, I hate to say a be a pun, but that's the big question mark right now. Is really what is the status of Trevor Bauer? Is he going to be able? to come back and pitch, because a stress fracture is not anything that you want to mess around with. Well, no, especially with a pitcher, because of their uh, their landing leg. Yeah. Uh, you know, being, you change your rotation. That's what happened to Dizzy Dean. You know, he, he hurt his leg, and it changed his, his motion on the mound and ruined his arm. Wasn't it his toe? Didn't he break his big toe? Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was his big, he got a line drive off his big toe. Yeah. Earl Averill hit it. <laughs> Get a line oh. drive from the from the Indians, actually. Um, but how about this scenario? Uh, you, you said the Yankees need starting pitching, and that you're right. What if they went out, you know, and they go get the former Met I, I, and bring him back to New York? That would be a huge thing for the Yankees. I don't think so. You know, you know what? I don't think the Yankees would ever do it. I, I don't think Matt Harvey wants to be back in New York. Uh, he seemed pretty nostalgic when he went up there a couple of weeks ago, and they, you know. Gave him a tribute and all that stuff, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice to visit, but it's not a good place to call home for him. Well, maybe not, maybe not. But they, the Yankees, if they need starting pitching, and this guy's pitching as well as he is, and he, he's throwing the ball well. Yeah, uh, he's, he's six and five with the Reds, which isn't bad after he, he was he started zero and three, I think, or zero and four. Mark, Wednesday night I watched Robert Stevenson pitch against the Indians. Uh, I, he was driving the Indian announcers crazy. Um, he didn't even last past the second inning. Uh, he just had terrible control problems, couldn't put the ball where he wanted, was overthrowing. You, you made a good point last Monday night that he is just giving maximum effort on every pitch and he's got no control and no idea where the ball is going. It's it's time for this Robert Stevenson experiment to end. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say that at first this year earlier, but yeah, I think you're right. I watched Castillo pitch yesterday, and what a difference! He was throwing 97, and it looked like he was throwing 45. Like the effort he put into it. He has a nice hesitation at the top of his of his windup, and just. Bang! You know the ball is on top of you before you know it. But with Stevenson, you know he everything is he's trying to throw it through a brick wall. Yeah. And he he just he's wild in the zone. It's not like he's throwing the ball at the backstop, but he he throws he he leaps off the mound. I, I was watching him very carefully pitch the same game, and he lunges toward the plate. And when you do that. You have an arm angle that's going to be inconsistent because you don't know where your arm is going to be, and sometimes your effort, you know, to lunge isn't the same as it was before. You can't pitch that way in Major League Baseball. Now you can maybe do it as a reliever, maybe do it as a reliever because you want to throw the ball to the, you know, to the wall. But you can't do it as a starter. Eventually, you're going to miss wild in the zone, and these guys are going to light you up. This kid, just—it's unfortunate. It's been, what, six or seven years that we've been talking about him? Yeah. 
I, I don't see any improvement than I saw the first year he came up. Was it what, three or four years ago? Yeah. Uh, this none. So I, it, unfortunately, I agree with you. You know, Sal Romano is is virtually the same way. I, except for it's a different problem. Sal Romano has got can pick his spots. He's not anywhere close to being wild as Stevenson is. But yeah, see, Romano, I think, would have value in the bullpen because he throws hard. He has pretty good control, not like Stevenson. But I don't even see Stevenson helping in the bullpen because of his control problems. He's mm-hmm. like, come in here and walk five guys. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a problem. Who 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 did that? You know, it's it's almost like Mitch Williams would be coming into the ball game. Yeah, you know, and and that that's where you're going to have problems with Stevenson. You, it's going to take a long time for any type of a manager to have trust in him coming out of the bullpen. He reminds me. Stevenson reminds me a little bit of Rob Dibble. When you know Dibble had one good year, 1990, when the Reds won the World Series. Yeah. You know he wasn't that good after that. And before that, for that matter. Uh, he, but everything was max effort, as hard as you could throw it, every pitch. And it, it, at first, the hitters, you know, succumbed to that, and they overswang and you know, overswung on the, on the pitch. And um, when, but they they figured him out. They just wait him out. Because he'll, he'll get behind three and one, and he'll groove a fastball, and then they they will nail it. Yeah. It reminds me of Dibble, I think it was 1991, I was down there. They bring Dibble in, and the Reds have a, uh, they have a big lead, they, they have a lead. Uh, and, and Dibble gives up three runs or something in, in the ninth inning, and the Reds end up losing the game. But after he gave up a home run, he picked up the ball, I guess they threw the ball out <laughs> for the next pitcher. Even, you know what I'm to say? And, yeah. and, he tur- and he turned around and threw it into the center field seats. He yeah. threw the ball about 375 feet in the air and actually hit some woman in the bleachers with it. But he threw it over the center field fence into, into the seats. And I'll never forget that. He, he got so mad at himself. But that's what Stevenson reminds me of. He's a guy who just throws it as hard as he can every time. What What's the Reds starting rotation next year? Oh boy! Uh, right the way the way it sits now. Well, the way it sits now, there's so many guys that are still unproven on this team. But you got to go with Castillo, who's going to be there. Discafani is going to be there. Homer Bailey is going to be there. If those guys are healthy, they will be uh, three of your your rotation. Now, what happens from there? That's the problem. I don't see Romano being a guy I would depend on to be in that. Uh, in that rotation, and if he is, I think you've got a problem with that rotation. If he's your number four or five guy, uh, you've got a problem because he's not proven yet he can pitch in the big leagues. So the Reds have to go out and get another starting pitcher who can be the number two or three starter, and, and that's that's assuming that you, you can depend next year on Homer Bailey, but there's no reason to believe you can. He, he's just, you know, he's a guy whose career is is over basically. Yeah, he's one in ten, and that's a six thirty three ERA. He's got sixteen starts, and it's not getting any better. He's just not getting any better. All right, two more questions about the Reds here, real quick, Mark. How much of an influence uh, has Danny Darwin had on this staff? 
I think considerable influence. Uh, I like what he's done. Uh, he's a no-nonsense guy, and that's what Jim Ruggerman has put around him. Guys like him that are, are kind of throwbacks to the old-time manager who he's the guy in control. If you don't like it, then, you know, go somewhere else. Yeah. But, you know, you ask about what could happen next year. I think you got Lorenzen who could come in and, and, and be a starter. You're, you're probably going to have Tyler Malley back next year. Hopefully he can straighten himself out. <clears throat> but outside of that, I, I don't know where you go for a starting pitcher, Dave. Uh, you know, and here, I want to go down to the minor leagues. Hunter Green. They've, they've shut him down for the rest of the year because they're going to give his, his arm the rest with that UCL injury. Mark, it, he, that sur- Tommy John surgery for him is coming. It's just a matter of whether it's now or two or three years down the road. Why not just have it done? Just get it done and over with. I have no idea. I, I don't understand it either. Other than the fact the kid's only 18 years old. Or maybe he just turned 19. He's a kid. Yeah. And, and and maybe they think they can heal him, but you're right. If, if, he's, if he's got a weakness there and a kid throws 102 or 103, it's going to reoccur, and you're going to have to face this. So I, I'd rather have it done now. <laughs> he, he's not going to be in the big leagues anyway, even if he has a great year. Yeah. Until at least 2000, the end of 220 or even 221. Like, you know, 2021, it's, it's just not – it's not in the cards. So I would rather shut him down. He could have surgery. Apparently it's not major because he doesn't have a major tear. So it wouldn't be a major surgery. And, you know, why not get it done? I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, just just get the thing done. Mark, this weekend Jim Tomey got his number retired by the Cleveland Indians, number 25. Um, Of course, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame last month in Cooperstown. Well, earlier this month, I guess I should say. But it led me to think, who's the next Red to have their number retired? Oh, it's Votto. Here's, has Ken Griffey Jr. had his number retired? Yeah. Yeah, he did. But he has no statue. Not yet, no. Okay. But again, I think those statues are going to be reserved. He'll probably have a statue, but, you know, those weren't his best years. So I no. don't know that he, he would have a statue at the ballpark like the lifelong Reds did. I can see you got Bench, you got Perez, you got Rose, you got Morgan. Well, Morgan didn't spend his whole career with the Reds either. No. And neither did, did, did Pete. Neither did Perez. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know. They spent the predominant amount yeah. of time. Yeah. They made their, their stuff with the Reds. So um, all of them did. You know, you got Lombardi out there, and, and yeah. it, you know, I mean, he, but it, it you just got Nexal. You got Nexal, but he's he's there because he was a personality, not because he was a oh, greatest yeah. pitcher. Yeah, you know, same way with Herb Score. Cincinnati's got Joe Nexal. The Indians had Herb Score, and both of yeah. them are gone, and both of them I wish were still doing doggone ball games. Yeah, and, and Herb Score had what one good year until he got the line drive from Gil McDougal. I mean, that was that was it. Yeah. Yeah, that that was the end of it, you know, and and that ended. And uh, I'm going to end this week's show on a sad note, Mark. Former Indians manager Doc Edwards died yesterday. He was 81 years old. Um, boy, he there. There's a lot of guys, Mark, that were managers of the Indians <laughs> back when they were really, really bad, and Doc Edwards was one of them. Well, 
81, that's not bad. You know, you get your money's worth when you reach 81. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, my dad's a little bit older than that. If I if I came out and said just how old my father was, I think he'd probably disown me. So I'm not going to come out and say that. But <laughs> but he is just a tad bit older than that. And I know he remembers. You know, I I hate to speak ill of the dead, but Doc Edwards was never one of my favorite managers. Well, it doesn't mean he was a bad person, David. Don't no, that. no, absolutely not. What do the Reds have coming up, Mark? They've got Milwaukee for three and Chicago for four the next seven games. Mm. And, uh, I predict the Reds will go uh, two and two and five. Two and five, huh? Well, as we've talked about ad nauseum, the Indians have the Red Sox for the next four nights. Well, the next four days, I should say. The Thursday game has been moved to a one o'clock game. Uh, it was scheduled to be a 7 o'clock game, but now it has been moved to a 1 o'clock game. And then the Indians are on their way to Kansas City. So you've got, you know, the Indians took two out of three against Baltimore. Now they, the worst team in the American League. Then they go to the best team in the American League. And then they're going to one of the worst teams in the American League to go play Kansas City this weekend. I, I think they're going to lose two out of four to uh, or win two out of four against Boston. I, I would be happy with a two and two split. I, I would be. I'd I'd be ecstatic with a three one. Uh, I would be disappointed if they won only one of these four games. I, I will tell you that, and we'll find out what well, they do then, next month. You'll probably be suicidal if they get swept. Oh, I, I'm never suicidal. You you've seen me. You've seen me. I don't I don't get suicidal over this stuff. No, I just. You know, go absolutely bonkers over it. That's what I do. Yeah. Anyway, all right, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you again next Monday night, Mark. Have a good one, Dave. All right, you too. So that will do it for tonight's program. Thanks for joining us here this evening on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. We'll sit back and see what the Cleveland Indians do against the Boston Red Sox coming up. And don't forget, uh, the end of this week, we've got Roger Bacon High School football from down here in Cincinnati as the Spartans uh, we'll be taking on Reading High School. Rob Rickenbaugh and I will have the pregame show beginning at 6.30, and then next week, Mount St. Joseph football. But Mark Donahue and I will be back again next Monday night with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. So a lot going on over the next couple of weeks here on Ultimate Sports Talk. Be sure to join us then. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Until next week, have a good week, everybody.